when you're purposing to well-roundedly raise your child so that they can launch into the world and actually be a light, be on purpose for the Lord and his call on their life, like ultimately that's like the goal. They would be prepared to do that as much as possible. And whatever they aren't prepared for, they at least have a strong faith that they go, oh, I can go to God's word and I can go to my, my parents or I can go to my mentors and in a biblical community and they can find the answers. They're not going to flounder. The Now That We're a Family podcast. So you guys, I'm ex- so excited to have Angie on the podcast today. And Angie, before we dive in, I'm sure our audiences have a lot of crossover. So a lot of people know you, but there's also a lot that have never been introduced to you. So how would you introduce yourself to those who don't know who you are? Oh, well, hi guys. I'm Angie Tolpin. Many of you guys probably have followed on Courageous Parenting or Courageous Mom on Instagram or on Facebook. Um, My husband and I have a parenting ministry together. I'd say that's probably what we're probably most known for, right? Um, The podcast has been going for almost four years now, which is super exciting. Um, But I've been in ministry since 2008 and have been an author, podcaster, um, blogger, you know, all the, all the things that I can do from the home. But my most important job is being a wife and a mom. Isaac and I have been married for 23 years and we have nine kids and we just had our first grandbaby, which is also your niece. Yes. It is so fun having that crossover. It's funny because we introduced you. Well, not we introduced you. We interviewed you guys on our podcast, like way, way back. I think yours has been going for a few months or maybe a year and ours was had been going a little bit shorter. And, um, it's just so funny. Cause I think Austin was 16 at the time and I had no clue he was going to be my brother-in-law in a couple years. <laughs> so wild how life can take its turns like that, huh? <laughs> yes, it has. So that's just, I don't know. It's so fun. So you mentioned a little bit, you've got this widespread, like what does motherhood look like for you right now with you have, um, single kids, you have a married son, you have little kids. Like how does that all look for you right now? Yeah. So it's very interesting. I never really had an example of what this would look like. So my expectations, just so everyone out there knows, like I didn't come from a big family, neither did my husband. So we're learning a lot in this process as far as like juggling all of it. Um, But we have kids, our youngest is 17 months old and our oldest is 22 years old. And then of course we have Austin who's married um, and then So Megan, Austin, and Kelsey are our oldest three, and they are all, uh, Megan's about to turn 18, so all in the adult, young adult age category. Um, And then we have currently, let's see, we have three teenage boys, and then we have three younger boys. So seven sons, two daughters, which is flipped from what you came from, right? You had eight. There's eight girls in your family that you grew up in, right? Yes. And how has that been for you, like having babies as a grandma, like kind of like really close, close. I mean, they're, they're so close. How has that been? They're so close. Um, I'm glad that you brought that up. No one has really asked me that question before, and it's very dear to my heart. So um, we gave birth to Xander June 2nd and Austin and Caroline got engaged the first week of July or August of that same summer. 
And so he was like six weeks old when we were piling our whole family in the RV and driving from Idaho down to California for the engagement party. And I'll tell you, it was at the very end of that six week postpartum that I'm super strict about resting. And I was, it was a lot to have three littles and then all the bigs that want to be going in every direction. And um, it was, it was interesting time for me. I think that there was so much going on that I didn't actually have time to really emotionally process things the way I have in the past postpartum. Here I was accepting and receiving a gift from the Lord while I'm also preparing my heart and mind to be letting go of a son for him to leave and cleave for the first time ever in my life. Right. Yeah. Wow. And it was, it was wild. And so, um, as you know, Austin went and worked at JH with Caroline that summer at a Christian camp that your family owns. And, um, I wanted him so badly to just to be at home when we had Xander, cause it was our first home birth. And not that he was going to be at the birth, but I wanted him to be able to be there and helping with the other kids and just like come in and see Xander right away and just all the things. And they were so gracious to let him stay, but Xander was two weeks overdue. So there was also that emotional thing that I was kind of processing was that he wasn't there for that. And um, just my life, that that transition of having olders that are leaving and cleaving and launching, if you will, while also all of the emotions and hormones and all the, like just being in that childbearing season all at the same time. And I, I think that God, obviously he has me here in this for a reason. And I, I really am thankful for it because it's all very fresh in my mind. Like the whole baby thing, pregnant feelings, all the emotions, the temptations, the, the fears, all that is so fresh because it, I just experienced it myself. So then fast forward a year, Austin and Caroline have been married for a year and they have Quincy. And it's like, I feel like God allowed me to have all that fresh so that I could be closer to Caroline through that season too. And yeah, what a gift. It was a gift. And I, it, it, it was hard at times too. You know, here I have a nursing toddler and I'm like, okay, the baby's going to be born in the middle of the night. I got to go. <laughs> like, you know, it just was this, like you, you, you can't, no one ever knows exactly when a baby's going to be born. So you can be as ready as possible, but like. You yeah. can't be fully ready. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so it's been a really sweet time. Being a grandma is really amazing. Oh, I can only imagine, you know, like you're, you have a 17 month year old. That's just so crazy. And you also were able to be with Caroline, like through a pretty difficult miscarriage and know how that is to walk through. And like, I can't imagine the gift of her, like leaving her family and going and moving somewhere else, but then having your wealth of wisdom, like right there. And like you said, like you aren't detached from the experience. You're like, Oh, this is all, this is all fresh. Yeah. Yeah. It was all very fresh. And I, you know, I, it's funny how you go through hard times in life sometimes like pregnancy loss and, um, in the midst of it, it's hard to see the bigger picture of how it can potentially be redeemed for God's glory. But then as you continue to live on and then you have that gift of hindsight and looking back, you can definitely see God's footprints and how he prepared you to be able to be a blessing to others. And I think that it for sure has brought our family closer, just even like Megan being at home when Caroline lost the baby, um, mm -hmm. 
Eleanor and like just having walked through miscarriage with me in such an intimate way, like she was so sensitive and so able to be there for her. And I know that like for her, I'm sure it had to be hard being away from her mom and her sisters. And so not that we can take their place, but I'm sure that just it's better than being alone to have family. Oh yeah. It's family. And, and I mean, like, that's how I feel with my in-laws. Like if they're there, it's not like, Oh, well, I wish my parents were here instead. It's just like they're family. And, um, especially the longer you've been a part of that family, the more it's just like, you feel like you have two sets of parents looking out for you. And (laughs) it's a big blessing and the sisters and sisters-in-law and all of that. So there's even a different perspective there too, because you're outside of the family that you grew up in. So that could be helpful too sometimes. Well, it's interesting being um, a mother-in-law. It, I, you never know fully, even though we know your family pretty well. Like when I think about, you know, how well we actually know each other, we've actually gotten together probably less than 20 times ever as family. Oh, yeah. Though when we have gotten together, it's been very rich fellowship and there's a lot of like-mindedness there. I, when you think about it, you're like, oh, actually, it's not like we have years of walking in life, you know what I mean? Um, And so that being said, when Austin and Caroline got married, I realized like, I can't just assume that she knows the things that I would think she would know regarding pregnancy, birth, loss, like you just, you wipe the slate clean. And, and I went into question asking mode and was like, so do you know like what what do you need help with and just asking so that you're not like this mother-in-law that's coming in giving information and then maybe it's taken in a condescending way because they already knew that you know what I mean that's wise and I know that your mom and dad are so intentional with you guys too that I like wanted to honor that and so I think that coming from that perspective like if anyone's in this situation where they have older kids that might be potentially getting married that's definitely one thing that like I've been really careful in that I would recommend for people. Um, Just not assuming that they know things, but also not talking to them as if they don't, because they they might. That's good, Angie. (laughs) That's really good, yeah. That's super encouraging too, because like I know Caroline has nothing but great things to say about her relationship with you. And you always kind of wonder how that's gonna go, you know, like, and, yeah, I just think that's been so cool. And I, I definitely like want to hear that stuff because some people do it well and some people definitely don't. And the people that don't do it well, those are the stories we all hear about, you know? So it's encouraging to be like, okay, what are steps? Like clearly just kind of going with the flow, you can accidentally be like an overstepping mother-in-law and it's like, you only want to be a help, right? So like, what are things practically that you could do? So I think that's really interesting because, um, that title of mother-in-law, when I think of it, it just has such a negative connotation with it. And so when I, you know, just even like, I think back to when we were looking for dresses for the wedding, right? So you have the, the mother of the bride dress and the mother of the groom dress. And that was like a whole difficult thing for me because I had was six weeks postpartum and I'm like thinking, okay, they're the baby's going to be 12 weeks old when they get married. So how you look stunning (laughs) and I need something that's breastfeeding friendly. (laughs) Like, Oh, mother of the groom dress. That's nursing friendly, not easy to find. (laughs) That's not usually like what the criteria is. (laughs) Try Googling it. You'll literally get nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. That's so great. Oh my. 
That's so funny. Okay. So you mentioned like you didn't know you were going to have a big family. None of us know, but like it wasn't on your horizon necessarily. What kind of, um, so what was your experience coming to Christ? Like how old were you when you had that perspective shift? And then when did the perspective shift come on kids? Good questions. Um, so I was raised in a Christian home and my parents actually met being worship leaders and my mom worked in the church and my dad was doing youth pastor work. Um, and so my whole life, I always believed in the Lord and I had that gift and blessing of not really ever going through a time where I doubted his existence or had to like search for him. Um, so that's definitely a legacy I'm very thankful for. I was 15 years old though, when my relationship with Jesus became a personal one where I realized like what it actually meant to take personal responsibility, I guess is the best way to say it. And to go, oh, this, is the, this isn't just something my family does. And this isn't just a Sunday thing going to church. All of those realizations kind of came to a, a point in my life when I was in high school. And then literally it was like a night and day change in my life. And I actually wanted to go into missionary work. I don't know if you knew that, but I wanted to be a full-time missionary and be celibate. So I didn't think I was going to have kids. <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I, I had done missions work every summer for 12 years in a row going to Mexico and we built houses, took food and clothing, did BBS, um, built a church for people. We would buy slaves out of a slave camp and give them a home, a community, a church, a job, a chunk of money and wow. some things to get started and it, what a wild experience because we would go back to the same tricky village every summer so i developed relationships with these people and i just I think that, you know, that's that spiritual high of living not for yourself, but for other people was what I wanted to do with my life, that concept. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I went to college, I really felt like I wanted to go into family counseling slash women counseling women. And so then I went to Turkey, lived there for six months and I counseled battered Muslim women. And we had an underground uh, missionary program where we would help women who were abused and were like, um, you know, the seventh wife of someone and they had come to Christ, escaped these situations. It was quite incredible, yeah. um, but very dangerous because it was illegal for us to be there back in 1998. So, um, so that's part of, that's a huge part of my story. So I struggled when I met Isaac and he got saved and then he was pursuing me. I really struggled with what is God's will for my life? Is it family life or is it missionary life? And that was something that almost tormented me for a few months before I got married. Um, cause I, I just so badly wanted to be a missionary for God. And, um, it wasn't until my mentor who was at the time she was 45, I was 19 and she was a full-time missionary. And, um, this was when I was going to Trinity Western and she pulled me aside and said, I don't think you have a biblical perspective on marriage. And I really think that you are being disobedient to God by turning away from this guy and um, the thought of being a mom. And she shared with me how that is a mission field. And that's when my perspective shift changed. Wow. I got like chills. That is so cool. Like talk about a life of living for someone and something other than yourself. And, you know, you took those same things that you desired and 
have applied them to your home. Like how cool is that? So like the thought of the great commission was like what was on my mind from the beginning. Um, and so partnering with Isaac, he was working in the business world. And so right away, that concept of marketplace missionary was on our heart and we did it as a team. I would have his coworkers and employees over for dinner. We did hospitality a lot. We had huge events and we, we went to conferences together and I would talk to all the wives about how to support their husbands in entrepreneurship. And we did that for 14 years. And that was like a very rich um, seed planting time and even harvest because there were many couples that we were able to mentor. Isaac was able to lead guys to the Lord. He officiated weddings. We did premarital counseling for those couples. Like it was a very rich time. Um, but then God was calling him out of that. He kind of started to get to the point where he wanted to do something more. And um, so anyway, that's that's a whole nother testimony of how we got to Courageous Parenting. But um, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So real quick, um, we're going to share where people can find everything in the end. But what kind of resources do you have? Because I think it's so cool that you had that mentor in your life to kind of point you at that pivotal time along a path. And I think as parents, we find ourselves at those pivotal times often where we're like, okay, we need some advice here. What do I do? And um, you have a lot of resources like that. So what are some of those resources? Yeah. So let me, I'll just start with the first one that came out. So we have Redeeming Childbirth, which um, may, people may not know. I was a doula for about a decade. I've since taken a little break from that because I'm a grandma and I have a lot of kids and I don't want to max myself out. It's hard being on call in the middle of the night. And so I may go back to it someday. But what's exciting is that my daughter, who's 18, is starting her doula training. She got hired as a birth assistant. So she's taking that on and she's been at a couple, she's been at one birth so far with the midwife and so I feel like I'm kind of vicariously it's like oh this is the vision you know like I'm stepping back she's stepping forward it's really cool in this topic of serving women so we have redeeming childbirth we have the Christian postpartum course which was the very first Christian postpartum course that was created um and then we also have um the parenting mentor program which I would say is our main thing that Isaac and I do. We do this every six weeks. We're on program 32 starting on November 15th. So if anyone wants to join us, um, that that one starts then. And then the next one will be at the beginning of the year in January. Um, and we've had a few thousand parents go through that. We've had single moms and single dads who need the biblical encouragement and how to raise their kids as well. So it's not just um, couples, although the, I would say probably 95% are couples that go through it together. Um, and then we have the pa free parenting workshop, which everyone's welcome to go through if they'd like that. That's a free resource. We have um, a homeschool course, homeschooling blueprint course that came out right in the midst of COVID when everybody was homeschooling in the world, right? Yes. Need. And so Isaac kind of convinced me, he's like, Angie, you've been doing this for so long. Can you just, and I was like, yeah, okay. And so, um, yeah, we've been homeschooling for 19 years and we created a homeschooling blueprint. Um, and then let's see, what else do we have? We have another mom Bible study as well. And yeah, we have the podcast, which is. Wow. Yeah, I know. I'm like, oh my goodness. So how does that practically look for you working? Like you homeschool and then you work in this ministry. Like yeah. that takes a lot of time. How do you do those things to get yeah. simultaneously? So 
Isaac and I are, I mean, he's in full-time ministry with me. I mean, we would definitely do things together, but the times that I work right now, um, there are two other things that I didn't mention that kind of support our ministry. One is our app. It's the Be Courageous app, the social media platform that we launched almost a year ago. It was Black Friday last year. We have about 800 families in there. And so what I do is every Wednesday now, I'm actually taking women through redeeming childbirth and mentoring them for an hour to an hour and 45 minutes. And I do a live every single Wednesday morning at 9.30 Pacific Standard Time. And so um, that's been a really rich time just communicating with the women and getting their questions. I do a Q&A at the end, which is why sometimes it goes a little bit longer. Um, and so there's that that I do every Wednesday. And then every six weeks, we start a new parenting mentor program. And we start that off with a live that's 90 minutes. It's 60 minutes of teaching, 30 minutes Q&A. And we do that every two weeks within that program. So okay. So basically every two weeks, I'm doing a 90 minute live with my husband. Every Wednesday for an hour to an hour and a half, I'm teaching through Redeeming Childbirth in the Bible. Um, and then we shoot our podcast weekly. Other than that, Isaac does everything. He um, runs the whole ship. And so um, I am mom. I cook, I clean, I homeschool, I tend hearts. <laughs> Yeah, lots and lots going along with that. You know, the grocery shopping, all the things. I will say it is a little bit different when you have so many older kids. I wouldn't have been able to do all the things that we're doing that require like consistency from us if I didn't have, you know, teenagers and young adults still living at home that were able to help with the littles when Isaac and I have to do a live together. Yeah. So like when you're stepping out, it doesn't have to be during a specific time of the day, like after all the kids are in bed or something, you could do something mid morning or yeah, something like that. Obviously the lives have to be done when other people are awake, right? Yes. So, I mean, we do have a lot of people from all over the world. So sometimes it's like 2am for people when they're coming on and it's really, I'm like, wow, that's commitment. Um, but generally speaking, yeah, we used to create all of our courses and everything in the middle of the night. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, that. I do. I do remember that. You guys were like getting the night lighting out and and filming till really late. Yeah, a lot of those courses and online Bible studies, we, like the Biblical Friendship online Bible study, that's another one that we have um, that I forgot to mention. But that one was the only one of all of our courses that was actually filmed during the day. Okay. Middle of the night. <laughs> I could relate to that. I could relate to that. Sustains you. You know, when you're called to do something and you're passionate about it and you just, you pray beforehand, you're like, Lord, I'm willing to be a vessel. Will your Holy Spirit just come over me and be my, oh, here's my mouth. You just say what you want. You get it done. Yeah. That is so cool. So you and Isaac sound like you've always been very aligned. Is that, is that true? Like, did you guys have similar visions right off the bat or were there ever times when you guys felt like you were kind of going in opposite directions and had to, you know, compromise or regroup or whatever? Great question. Well, you know, after being married for 22 years, I can I truthfully say there are, of course, there are times when we're going in different directions with our vision. Isaac and I, are both visionaries, which I know is unique in marriages. Sometimes there's one that's more of a visionary, but he, I just recently heard him talk about this. And so it was just interesting. He was on a podcast and he explained how we're both kind of visionaries. So for us, like 
he steps in front, right? Obviously we have a biblical marriage. And so he's the main leader of our family of ministry of all the things. And I love it that way because I can tend to be woo all over. I'm like, oh, we should do this and this and this and this. And this. I don't know if you can relate. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's why I'm asking. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We need to get some things done. Let's prioritize. And he's so good at that. And so, um, but he also has these big visions, like the app, for example, the social media platform was his vision for creating a solution because our courageous parenting mentor program, those three lives that we have dispersed every two weeks within the six week program, we used to do those in Facebook groups and we had thousands of people in there, but we had tons of people coming to us once they became meta saying, we don't want to be on Facebook anymore, but we're only here for this group. Is there yes. any way we can go somewhere else? And so we started looking, but everywhere else was going to charge people like a yearly fee of like $60 or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the app really was inspired by this need for a place for us to congregate all of the courageous parents in one place so that we could do lives. There was mm -hmm. not going to be any algorithm issues or advertising or censoring or any of that kind of stuff. And it's been a huge blessing, huge blessing to be able to meet there. But that was really his vision. But I will say like when it comes to alignment, there was a season about 15 years into our marriage where Isaac was feeling that itch to leave the company that he had been a part of. And he really wanted to go out on his own and do something different. And I was fully in support of that. Um, and we, we started, a digital publishing company. He also had a tech company that he had co-founded. So he had co-founded both of these. And there was a time where I just knew it wasn't God's will. Mm -hmm. We were in, yeah, in that business. I just, it was a struggle. And um, I, I don't know how much you remember of our story from mm -hmm. going to church together many years ago, or not many, it was a few years. Yeah, but a lot's changed since then. So I could see how it seemed like a long time but, ago. But that was a time where I would say Isaac and I weren't in alignment. And I know that he has shared also on other man podcasts that that was like the one time where he was making decisions without coming to me and we weren't making them together. Because up until that point, we had always made all of our decisions together, but there were so many decisions when you're running a business totally mm -hmm. on your own that didn't actually include me. And so here I am doing redeeming childbirth and all this stuff. And I'm busy over here with the kids and with that ministry. And then he had the business over here and the coaching clients and all the things it was, he had to make decisions without me. There literally wasn't enough time. And so then things, decisions would be made. And sometimes we weren't in alignment. Sometimes we were, um, but ultimately we just he felt a super strong conviction that it wasn't what god wanted him doing so he had to let it die and here we were with this business that we wound up over half a million dollars in debt um wow and that was scary i was pregnant with our seventh um and it was actually when i look back it was the best season and the hardest season of our marriage and um, we learned a lot from that um, I would say to any couple that's going through a hard transition, whether it's job loss, pregnancy loss, I don't know, anything hard that you go through. The one thing that we really saw was when your marriage is centered on Christ and, and each individual is going towards the Lord and you meet at him, um, that's when your marriage grows in those hard times.
Yeah. And you're just so dependent on him in those hard times where when things are going well, it's easier to just not feel that dependency and, and even not even realize that you're kind of pulling opposite directions, just kind of like things are going fine, but like you really need to cling to each other and Christ in a hard season. Yeah. I, you know, it's interesting. I was just talking to some women about this yesterday. Why is it that in our human nature, we don't cling to God in the same kind of way when we're on the mountaintops or when things are going well? Like that's just a super convicting thing that I've just been contemplating Mm -hmm. as I look at my own life history. And, and even though I'm seeking him every day and I'm living my life for him every day, that intimacy that's found when you're on your knees because you're desperate for him, that should be something that we crave all the time. Mm -hmm. Even when things aren't bad, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've found, I know I've, I've found often that I get brought into those hard seasons to like shake me out of the passivity that comes with an easy season. And that's always frustrating, but then it's always humbling too, to be like, Lord, wow, you love me so much that you're willing to bring me back in this way and, and remind me of my dependency. And I wish I could just do it without having to go through this trial, you know, but it's so good. It's so good. He yes. wants us to have a humble posture towards him for sure. The Lord does. He's most glorified in it. And some of us are just more stubborn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> some take a little more hard work. <laughs> he has to have a little heavier hand. Uh, so, okay. Something else I've been wondering about, especially as step, especially as I've been stepping into homeschooling with our kids. Do you have a huge span of kids? Do you feel like you have homeschooled the same from like top to bottom? Have you changed things? Have you found it gets like really, really difficult in a season when you have like the olders and you're still doing like kindergarten and stuff? How has that looked? Yeah, I have changed a lot. I would say that I'm much more, oh, much less intense is probably the best way to put it. When I first started homeschooling, Kelsey, so because I didn't come from a homeschooling family either, not only did I not come from a large family, I didn't come from homeschooling, right? So in my mind, what school needed to look like was a traditional education. And um, so I had to detox myself off of what my expectations were. Mm -hmm. And so that being said, yeah, when you look at my first two kids, especially, and I would say, you know, a lot, Kelsey, I had this idea that I had homeschool for six or seven hours a day, the six-year-old. Oh, wow. Go Angie. <laughs> and so like that, because that's what you're, if that's what you, yeah, that's so true. So I, you're going to laugh at this. This is so good. It's a little school that was right around the corner from us when we lived on the vineyard and they were getting rid of all their desks and getting new ones. And so I went over and I got free desks and I brought those desks over and each of my kids had a school desk and they had their little name and their little cursive writing on the wall and their baskets. And I had the weather, you know, map up on the wall and all the things. And I would spend every day. We had this very strict routine and regiment of what we were going to do. And we were like, <laughs> so this is so good. Different now. <laughs> Oh man, just picturing these little kids in there, but that you're right. It totally makes sense. Like I have been so immersed in homeschooling, right? My whole life. It's just, it's like, yeah, of course they don't need that much time, but it totally makes sense if you're placing 
your whole perspective on the schooling system, which is like the teachers have to take care of the kids for that long because the parents aren't available to pick them up. Not because the kids need that much time. It's like, it's, it's like a daycare. Yeah. So I actually, we homeschooled from the, a few weeks into preschool. I had some issues with what was going on because we hit Halloween and there was Halloween decorations, even in a Christian preschool. This is actually the church I grew up in. I walk okay. in and there's spiders, skeletons, all the things. And I'm like, I don't, I'm not liking this. Something's in my spirit. I don't like this. And so we pulled Kelsey out six weeks into preschool. And yeah. that was the beginning of our homeschooling journey. And then once I was pregnant with our fourth, you fast forward a few years, I was like, do September 2nd and school started like August 29th. And I have in my head all these expectations for my first grader. And I'm like, I, I, I can't, I can't do six hours a day. I'm going to have a baby. We're not going to start on the day that they start. Like I literally, you're going to laugh. I used to think we had to start when the school started in our district and end when they ended and take all of the breaks that they took. I used to think that way because that was all wow. I knew. That was yeah. the example. I didn't have other examples when I got started other than a couple friends who were starting the same time as me. Yeah, well, the online world wasn't a thing either. So it wasn't like you could look to, because now there's just dozens of moms on the internet who are sharing their different schedules, their different curricula, like all that stuff. Oh, yeah. No, you bring up a great point. There was no social media till 10 years into my homeschooling and parenting. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're just on your own. I was totally on my own. I mean, internet and looking things up, even blogs, blogs became a thing in like 2006, 2008, mm -hmm. which was when Kelsey was in third grade. So, wow. yeah. So going back to like the archaic, all I knew was what other people were telling me about where they were getting their curriculum and then going to a, my first homeschool conference and going, oh, and going to workshops and these older moms saying, this is what our daily schedule looks like. And we use this curriculum for this and this for this in the vendor hall. And I'm like, this is, oh, this is amazing and overwhelming. <gasps> and, you know, like. It, what grade was that? So what, what grade was your oldest when you went to your first homeschool conference? She was in kindergarten. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that's when I found out wow. about math, you see, and got the little blocks, which that it's interesting. Like there's certain things like that, that I've done with all nine of the kids or okay. Alexander yet, but Solomon and Eli are using math, you see, and they're okay. using the same things that I bought for Kelsey. You know? That's awesome. Yeah. So s that is, that is a program that I feel like has stood the test of time as far as like Elisha did it. And now like his younger um, nieces and nephews are doing it. And like, it's a generational resource. Yeah, that I'm really thankful that there were some things that I became aware of as a young first time homeschooler that have like, even though there's all these new programs that are popping up, I'm like, Hey, this is tried and true and it works for me. I'm just going to stick with it. And so it's like that subject has been like the thing for the first, like, you know, till grade five or whatever. And so, um, that, okay. So I'm curious real quick. What do you switch to at grade five? So it depends on the kid actually. And based okay. on learning styles, which I talk about in the homeschooling course, but oh, okay, cool. Um, it helps parents to evaluate what their kids' learning styles are and what the nice. teacher's learning style is. Because if you love teaching, your kids will love learning more. But yes. if you don't love the curriculum, it's going to be really hard for you to teach it. Right. Yes. And so it's like, anyway, so evaluating that makes a big difference. Okay. And so you'd kind of branch off at that point. 
Yep. Okay. So it's really, it, you know, between Horizons, teaching textbooks, Saxon, I would even say Life of Fred, if you have a really creative kid that is good at comprehension and application of life, that's a good one. Um, but some wow. kids are more mathematical and analytical. And so Saxon mm -hmm. math might be their thing, especially if they're an independent learner. Mm -hmm. But I do love teaching textbooks too, because they have the video that teaches and that's helpful for me as a busy mom, because I know they're learning it before they do it and they can go back and rewatch the teaching anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, so with math, you kind of like go to fifth grade and then see where it goes from there. And then what else have you used? Not like specific curriculum, but like have you kind what philosophy of education have you used? Has your philosophy changed over the years? Cause I feel like that's kind of like a, a buzzword right now is oh, yeah. your philosophy. Yeah. So we actually, it, it's funny that you're bringing that. That's actually the second video in the course where I oh, perfect. homeschooling philosophies, class, okay. Charlotte Mason method, Montessori. Then there's the, what a lot of people would call like the wild and free yes right like you know yes there's a lot of different methods or philosophies out there for sure i would say at first i was very traditional and we were doing a lot more seat work because that's what I, again that's what i experienced as yeah. far as like reading your lesson and then doing workbooks and that that really changed drastically when my oldest hit junior high and we started doing classical conversations and i started learning about the classical model of education and so we did cc as people know it for mm -hmm. eight years. Okay. Um, so a lot of my kids went through foundations, essentials, and I would say my oldest four kids got through challenge two. So challenge A, B, one, and two. Some did three, some did a, a strand in four, like Kelsey did. Um, but again, I think that it's a, a matter of what works for your family as a whole, but also how are kids wired? And so my middles, which are now in high school and junior high, looking at how they're wired, they're much more kinesthetic learners. And so having my teenage boys who are more kinesthetic and hands-on and interested in things like woodworking and farming and things like that are not gonna be super excited about reading Shakespeare for a year and then doing Socratic dialogue about it. Now, do I think that that's beneficial? Yeah, sure. but studying the U.S. Constitution with their dad and then having a woodworking business on the side and building American flags and and learning how to build a website and all of these extra things that the boys have been doing. So yeah, our, our education has changed drastically for those middles. But I would say it's partially because of how they're wired and what they're interested in. Our oldest was extremely academic. She loved reading. I mean, the, the, the common punishment or consequence was to take her books away that was mine too it's like I don't relate to that like I wasn't allowed to get I would set an alarm and get up at four in the morning to read and my mom's like you can't do that you can only read an hour at this time you can't read after three o'clock like I had all these rules on it <laughs> yeah totally I mean I remember one time Kelsey got into trouble for something I don't even remember what it was but Isaac literally pulled her entire bookshelf out of her room and it had like probably 200 books on it. And she was like crying, like her world was over, you know? And I mean, I just, I share that because it's like, she was just very, very academic. Yes. That was a passion. That was a love of hers. And so doing classical conversations was a perfect fit because I mean, they're reading like 21 classical literature books 
in one year and discussing them and writing papers on them, you know? And yes, while my boys are reading some of those books, like I have gone through, now what I do is I go through like the CC catalog, the Veritas Press catalog. I look at the recommended reading for age categories. And then I choose which ones I, cause I've read the majority of them already. Mm-hmm. I can choose which ones I'm going to assign to the boys to read. And then I supplement with different reading that's actually gonna be more applicable to the industry that they are feeling called to go towards as a young man. Does that I make sense? I love that. Yes, and so I love like, that. You know, and then there's also like enjoyable reading. And, and part of the reason why I'm doing this is because I realized once I got through like three kids, graduating three kids, some of them don't love reading. Some mm-hmm. do and mm-hmm. some don't. And I'm wondering if, you know, I know for myself, I didn't love reading until I got to college and I had chosen my major. So I was reading books that I was very interested in that were stimulating to something that I was passionate about, theology, family counseling, you know what I mean? And so I want my kids to read things that they're also interested in so that they love reading. And when you are in a rigid kind of dogmatic program, there isn't really any room for reading anything else. And then they're so tired from reading the things they don't enjoy, it can steal the joy. Yeah, it's just kind of like, it's all work and no play with that and it can be like you said just such a rewarding thing uh okay that's really interesting that's cool yeah because i know you did classical conversations for a time there i know kind of kelsey's story and then i was curious like okay how is it with the with the next set and stuff like that i think too there's an element of like so you know looking at what they love but but also when i think about my kids and like what legacy do i want to leave with them like you can, once you realize how much control God has actually given you as a parent, then you can really hone in and taper their education to be something that they look back on. And they're like, my homeschool experience was awesome. And I want my kids to have that. And I want them to have an open perspective. I want them to see different kinds of homeschooling too. I think that's powerful so that when they have kids, they can also lead their families by going, hey, for this season, this might work, but then we're going to shelf it if it's not working because there's other options. You know what I mean? Yes, totally. Instead of being like, no, this is the one way I'm familiar with, kind of like the one way you were familiar with was this traditional style, but then that wasn't working for your family. Um, Yes, that's really good. So just, yeah, just so they know there's options out there. They know what works for them, what learning style maybe they are and model it definitely showed me like as far as like preparing somebody for being successful in the world like I even look back at our oldest and doing SAT scores I remember her coming back and going yeah it wasn't that bad mom she's like when I didn't know a word in vocabulary I just think of the Latin root and then I was able to make an educated guess and she came out you know with a huge like it was 1490 or something some very high score that helped her to get college scholarships which was helpful but it's like I look back and honestly, like I look at that and I go, why was I pushing that? Like, was there an idol of academia that was like somewhere rooted in me from my upbringing of like, you need to go to college when you graduate. And we just don't like Isaac never was that way. He's always been kind of anti-college just because he was a business major. And when he went, he was like, this is a waste of time. I'm so outdated. (laughs) 
so outdated. Yeah. And it's successful. And what they're teaching me is actually the opposite of what I am doing. And I'm successful. You know what I mean? So like he looks at it and then unless it's something that's super specific, like medical doctor, brain surgery, you know, like things that you need hands on <laughs> training in, like, I, I just don't, I don't believe in the institution anymore. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I think that we've all become very aware, especially in the last three and a half years at what's really been happening agenda wise. Um, they don't even hide it anymore. It's mm -hmm. out there in the open. So now when you think about it and you think about your children and what you want for them, what you do today puts them on a path, a trajectory. And so I, I think that there definitely was in me some sort of like academia driven idol that I was pushing really hard, even though we were having fun and doing all kinds of field trips and all the, you know what I mean? But I just was like, I'm going to give my daughter the best education. I think that's really common. Like with your first child, it's kind of like your proof that you like didn't make a bad decision. I feel like, you know, when you're like, you're choosing to homeschool and it's like, my kid, I will show you they are smart and they can do it's good stuff, you know. Me, I don't know about you if you've experienced this because you come from family and both you and Elisha were homeschooled, right? So yeah. like because we weren't, we did have friends and family that thought we were crazy. Yes. I mean, I'm talking, you know, so many years ago that we started and I remember people coming like my brother going, what about socialization and different things, you know? And now they're like, wow. And they look at the fruit of the kids and they're just like, wow, that's you know, that they're amazing. And so yeah. I think that there's so much more to homeschooling than the academia. The main reason why we did it was for relationships and character, obviously, and discipleship. Um, but, but I do think that there is an element of like, when you're purposing to well-roundedly raise your child so that they can launch into the world and actually be a light, be on purpose for the Lord and his call on their life, like ultimately that's like, the goal that they would be prepared to do that as much as possible and whatever they they aren't prepared for they at least have a strong faith that they go oh i can go to god's word and i can go to my my parents or i can go to my mentors and in a biblical community and they can find the answers they're not going to flounder do you know what i mean yeah no well i have a lot of respect for you like asking these questions because obviously i know austin i'm getting to know him better um as my like newest brother-in-law but i feel like it's been so cool to, because like he's your second and he's like so well-read, so well-spoken, but he like also has all these life skills. Um, as for like videography, photography, he stepped into a company that like he wasn't super familiar with and just like did phenomenal there and is doing phenomenal there uh, managing it. And I guess I just see like you have a bunch of boys and I grew up with a bunch of girls. And so they aren't, going to be the providers for their families and so I think that there's this there's more pressure on me I feel like to be like I want my boys to do really well as providers and just have the tools they need um not just be like well educated but like it's for a very practical use and I just feel like Austin was 18 he got married he had the maturity level to have a wife and take care of her well like he loves Caroline so well and like become a father and provide and like all these things at a really young age and I just like that's what I want for my boys to be capable of that well you know and 
even you mentioned his age and I always tell people that it's not prescriptive for other people that they get married that young. Yes, yes. But Austin definitely had the maturity. Um, we're very thankful for what the, the Lord has done in his life. He got saved at a young age and has he has a lot of integrity. We saw him seeking God. And I mean, he's, he's been a man for a, a while. Um, you know, not, you know, in society standards, they have a very different idea of what a man is. And so um, I am very proud of him. He's, he's an amazing husband and, and father already. I can see it. It was incredible being at the birth and just seeing how in tune he was with Caroline and serving her and how much he wanted to be a part of it. I, I, it was jaw dropping for a mom to witness that very special. I'm very humbled that they, and honored that they would allow me to be a part of that process, that it was a very intimate experience as it always is, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, but I, but I think about him and even, you know, Kelsey and Megan and, and seeing where they're headed and how, what, what their perspective on life is and um, and what they're pursuing, all very different. God has gifted them all very differently, but they all love Jesus and mm -hmm. they all have a vision of being a light in whatever they're doing. And um, it's interesting as I'm raising my other kids, I think that one of the things that I would say I wish I wouldn't have done was that like intensity with homeschooling of like, we have to get these things done before we can do the other things. Mm -hmm. I've definitely lightened up a lot. <laughs> That's good. Something you mentioned real quick that I just have like a personal question about is Latin. Okay. So you mentioned Kelsey did Latin. Are you doing Latin with the rest of your kids at all? Or is that something that you're kind of like, no, not worth it. I'm not doing it now. Um, we may do it again in the future. I, I do believe in the CC model for certain types of kids. Um, mm -hmm. I also think that there's an element. So I'm, 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 I'm living what I'm preach to young moms right now. Yeah. Having three kids under six. I don't recommend families doing CC when you have that many children that require a routine schedule of napping and you know, there, there's special times throughout the day. Fam I call them family times, quiet time, Bible time, nap time, lunch time, having their structured schedule. I mean, I would say that we're not as structured as we used to be. We're more moderately scheduled so mm -hmm. that there's flexibility for things. You have to have that. Yes. Um, but when you do something like CC, in addition to also we have church, which is a whole day and the kids are not getting naps. That's it's two days out of seven, which is actually a lot for like a baby and a toddler. And so I, I just think that you want to set your kids up for success and they thrive better in their home and doing play dates and a few field trips every now and again, not, not this like weekly regimen. Yeah. yeah. So here's the other thing is when this is the main thing, when the kids are that little, they thrive in structure that is predictable for them. And when they're used to always taking a nap, they don't fight it. When they get to not take a nap, even two days a week, then they're going to be like, well, I don't want a nap today. Yes. But if so it's not true. something that is an option, they don't even bring it up. It's like, this is what I do my whole life. You know what I mean? And, yes. and it's much easier. It's the same thing when it comes to discipleship and discipline and all of those things. It's when you're out of the home, it's harder to be consistent in those things. 
So you need to be home as a mom of littles to be able to be consistent. And so I kind of, when I have, you know, more than two kids that are in that season, I would say Solomon, when we had just had Solomon and we had six olders, it was so far outweighed on the older category that I was like, we're going to still do CC. And I had friends that would bring my kids home so I could leave a little earlier so Solomon could still have a nap and we still worked it out. Do you know what I mean? Totally. So when you have three and you've got two different nap times and nursing and all the things, it just, it, it wasn't healthy. It was more stressful for the whole family than going. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's so good that you bring that up. It's so true that kids do not fight you when they know that it's coming every day. They don't fight it for themselves. They don't fight you. And so that's like, there's so much rest in that because you just, yeah, they aren't frustrated. You aren't frustrated. And they just like anticipate the next thing and that, but you have to be home in order to have that consistency with discipline, with naps, with what you're eating, with all those things. Uh, I've never heard anyone say that. In the future totally they'll get older but i i just I, i've always found such a huge benefit when you have littles of staying home that for me it's just not worth the sacrifice and i know i can homeschool my olders do you know what i mean yes. because i've already yes. done it and so if i was first time homeschooling olders i think it might be harder for me to get my wrap my brain around what that would look like um and I think too, because the kids were brought up in a very structured education, like it's easier for my olders to be more independent because they understand that they need to get things done and be have a disciplined life is what we talk yes. about as a family. You know what I mean? Yes. Which is part of that like standard for when your kids launch too, is that they would be able to take care of their jurisdictions, live a disciplined life, follow through when they have a commitment to something, contribute to the family, get their chores done, be able to do a schedule on their own without someone micromanaging them, you know? Yes. So when they, when we see all of that, like we did in Austin, you can have them launch and you have peace in your heart as a mom. And you're like, yep, it's time. That is so good. Like what a wealth of things that you are instilling in your children. And I see that firsthand and I just think, wow, that's so cool. Like I'm just so grateful I have you in my life uh, to be able to learn from, because I just, I love the intensity with which you approach things. Like you said, like okay, you've gotten more relaxed, but you are still so like intentional. And I love that because I feel like I have that same tendency to over intensify things, but I still want the good side of that intentionality. And like, what am I aiming for? And what is this accomplishing the goal that I have for uh, raising my children? And so I really, really love that. Cause I also think in the homeschool world, there's a lot of um, laid backness. We're just like, Oh, it's all going to be good. Like, let's just do math two times a week. You'll get to it. You know, like, and I hear that a lot and it like really irks me because I'm like, if you don't give your kids consistency, like, what are you giving them? You know, like you have to them up with a habit that will then be played out in other areas of their life when they're older, that you're going to like, honestly, like that's something you sowed in their life. And they're yes. with it. And it's, I mean, if there's one thing that you can give your kids, it's a practical thing aside from faith and all of this. Okay. Cause that is more important. The truth is, is at the end of the day, like you can't launch a kid that you're going to have to have micromanaged. They yeah. need to have like a dependency on Christ, but an independency from you, not codependent. 
Like that's yes. launching confident, courageous kids, right? When, when they can step out and they don't worry that they're going to be able to take care of themselves, you know? Yeah. And like if they don't practice that at home and they don't have that affirmed in their life or expected of them, they don't learn it. And then that's when you see kids floundering or failure to launch, right? Like that's like a real thing that a lot of people struggle with that the local high school here a couple of years ago, right when we moved, um, one of my friends was asked to come and speak and share her testimony because she struggled with having a high schooler that was failure to launch from her home. They didn't go to college and they just kept living at home and they weren't getting a job because it was COVID and there was all these, you know, like, the, and this was like, it literally, if there was a pandemic, this was a pandemic in high schools. Wow. And I think that part of it was that parents were not parenting. Mm-hmm. They literally weren't parenting. And then when COVID happened, they, like, they, their eyes got opened to so much that was missing in their kids' um, just, I mean, it, you could put it in the education category because it is a skill that needs to be learned but it's really like life skills. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think I, think yeah, no, no, you said, you go. I feel like there's like, there's a slight delay. Yeah. I think that regardless of if you choose like classical, like a classical model or a more relaxed model, or even Charlotte Mason, like I, when I first started homeschooling, that was what I used with my littles was the five in a row. And I love the Charlotte Mason, the sitting with your kids and reading a lot of good literature and talking about it. And that's still like largely what I do with my littles, but it is very different. It starts to become more traditional slash like there's a mixture, it's eclectic. It's between let's read good literature and talk about it and write about it. And also this um, traditional or classical model of learning different things. And um, I love doing an eclectic version of it because I see that there's good in both. And I want my kids to thrive in, in learning things from a, a, a way that is going to align with how they're wired, yes, but I also want to purposefully challenge them to learn outside their own box, if you know what I mean. So I think that there's an element of like, when you know what your kid's learning style is, don't just only go to that for them. Maybe on the hardest topics that are like a struggle for them, yes, align the curriculum to fit their learning style. But on other things where maybe they are really good at something, but you see them kind of going narrow minded. Like, I think that as a parent, the countercultural thing is to go, okay, I want to challenge them outside their box. So they have to grow. So they have to appreciate other people who are wired differently so that they, do you see you're expanding yeah. their perspective. And that's not really something that you hear people talking about when they're in a specific method and they think that Charlotte Mason is the only way or classical is the only way. You don't see that. And I think that there's a need. It's kind of like, I'm going to use a birthing analogy. You've got hospitals and midwives. I'm like, why don't you work together? Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, this, yeah, yeah. This, this division. And I see that even with homeschool moms with the different kinds of philosophies that they use, that there is good in both. And so, like, learning from each and trying to incorporate that and being flexible as a mom to go, this isn't working with my kid, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this and see how it goes. 
Yeah. Instead of being like, I've, I've sworn, I put my head down, I've signed and bled on this philosophy, this curriculum, we are sticking with it. I love that concept though of challenging our kids too, and not just catering to them because outside in the real world, not everything is suited to them and they just have to make it work and figure it out in some instances. I heard it said recently and they were saying, the Lord is faithful with our children, but if we are faithful right now, it makes it so much easier for them down the road. Instead of like, oh, well, the Lord will work it all out. And it's like, yeah, he will, but it's going to be hard for that child to learn all these things that it could have been. We took the burden and the heart on us and trained them. So then they didn't have to work on that, like training themselves later in the like school of hard knocks and life experience and all that. It's so true. I mean, I even think about my own life. When I got married, I didn't know the first thing about cooking or being a mom. And so I was like, and again, this is pre-internet. So this is like AOL dial-up time, right? And I'm like buying books and reading cookbooks and trying things and going so slow and trying to figure it out. And I can't even tell you how many times Isaac would sit across from me and be like, I don't know if if you don't ever make this again, I'd be okay with that. (laughs) He's so nice. Tuna casserole. He's like, is this a mushroom? <laughs> you oh. learn when you're first married, everybody does, even if they know how to cook, you learn what the likes and dislikes are. But I really, truly had no idea what to learn. So I had uh, what to do. So I had to learn as I was doing it. And it was harder for me. And Mm -hmm. so even with my kids, when I was talking about life skills, like that's something that's on my radar for my boys and my girls but kind of different than what most people would think. I think that a lot of people would would say, let's teach the girls the biblical feminine home domestic skills. Let's teach the guys the biblical masculine provider helpful skills, right? I mean, that, that's yes, what's absolutely in the church today. But what I experienced was when I was super sick with HG and I was puking, and then I was on bed rest with Ethan for three months, I had five kids that I was homeschooling and my husband didn't know how to cook anything but instant rice and pancakes. And we had been married almost 10 years. And it was one of those things where I remember looking at all my sons at the time, I think we had four, and I was pregnant with the, the fourth. And I was like, when they're older, I need to make sure that they know how to cook in case their wife is also sick, is what I was thinking. And then that thought expanded as the years went on to go like both actually need to have all kinds of life skills. Yes, absolutely. my, My girls are far better cooks and bakers than my boys are. They love it. And I love that they love it because God designed them to love it. And so they spend more time and they know a lot more than the boys do. And I, it, it's not like I'm like, come on, boys, you need to know all the same recipes your sisters do. That's not it at all. I just want them to be equipped with maybe their top five or top 10 favorite meals that they grew up with that they know how to make from scratch so that they can be a blessing to their wife if their wife is sick someday or there's some kind of situation where it's needed also who's to say that they're going to get married right away when i know i was going to say cooking for themselves (laughs) would be a huge blessing right yes and wasting money and 
on and on and on. Like, I, I just think that our minds need to, yes, we want them to be trained in the biblical things for sure. I'm not against that. I'm just saying, but also we want to look at what they could potentially need and prepare them as best as we can, if we can. Yeah. And I think that that segregation, it has gone way too far with like, okay, these are the male skills. These are the female skills. And in desiring to have this biblical model, like you said, we just don't give our kids the life skills they need. Like a woman very well will need, she, all of this will be helpful to her if she gets married and all of it will be helpful to her if she doesn't, if she has business savvy and money management skills and time management and a skill and all these other things. It's like, yes, that works in both scenarios. If she's single for the rest of her life and serving the Lord that way, or if she gets married and she's working alongside her husband, like a woman that doesn't have any of those capabilities and is like, well, I can cook and clean for you, but like, that's it is not going to be as much of a help to her husband as a woman who has some kind of idea into what he's doing too, or can even help him in that. So. And regardless of if her husband ends up being the one that's in charge of the books or she does, like, at least you prepared her. And at least yeah. now there's like a, a basic knowledge so that they can have easier communication, yes. which is huge in marriage, as you know, like, that's one of like the biggest things I think that's, that couples struggle with today is communication, especially about things that are potentially hard to talk about because they're not going well. AKA finances, like, you know, like if, if they can communicate and she can understand basic PL or um, budgeting conversation, right? Their communication about their budget is going to go much better than if she just doesn't know, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there's an element too, like you can't teach what you haven't lived. And so if a wife who becomes a mother doesn't know these things, how is she going to teach her sons and daughters? Yeah, there's that too, because you're educating, that's the thing, like you're educating sons and daughters. So like, it's going to benefit everything, you know, is going to benefit you uh, with either, with either sex, either gender. And I just think that there has been like with like the more conservative movement of moving away from feminism has been moving more towards like, oh, you're just going to be kind of like this brainless domestic. And that's the goal. And it's like, no, that is, that's not helpful for anybody. There's this awesome book that I read that was mothers of famous men. I don't know if you've seen it. I haven't. No, that sounds super good. It's a lamplighter book. So it's actually about it's little, little mini chapters. It's a tiny book, but it's about the mothers of famous men, like the mother of Thomas Edison, the mother of Abraham Lincoln, the mother, like they took these great men. They were famous men in history. And it's a look at their mothers and what these men said about their mothers is quoted in the book. And it's just phenomenal. Like when I, I remember reading this maybe a couple years into homeschooling and it was a huge motivation for me because I realized that whatever I had learned over the years as a stay at home mom, like what people back then were thinking of stay at home mom as was not, they didn't, there was, it was not looked at in a good light. I'll just no. put it that way. Yeah. Who pooed and like, oh, aren't you going to finish your degree? And what are you going to do for a job? And what if this and what if that? That was what I what I experienced, right? Mm -hmm. And it, you know, for me, here I am trying to find my identity. And I'm like, no, all of the things that I learned are going to be redeemed because I'm going to be passing them down to my children. And then they're going to stand on my shoulders and they're going to go forth because I am purposefully teaching them these things. And for me, like that actually gave me a motivation to keep learning. 
And I think that that's also something that we model for our kids. Like in this whole topic of like, life is school, life is education. Like what are we modeling for our own children? Do they see us pulling out a book and going humbly? I don't know how to grow potatoes. So I'm going to get a book and I'm going to open it up and then we're going to just do it. You know? Yes, absolutely. I love that. And yeah, what is that whole more that is caught than taught? Our kids are going to, when they see us delighting and learning, I mean, like learning is life. It's not over when you close your school book or whatever, then that gives them that perspective. I feel like my parents really gave me that perspective. They're both still learning. They're both still reading. They're both still taking courses, all that. And uh, it's just an incredible gift to give your kids. Okay, Angie, I know we are over time. I (laughs) promise to let you go so you could get to an appointment. Thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation with me. I know I am so blessed and like so fired up right now. And I know that you just gave our listeners such a wealth of information. So thank you. Could you tell people one more time, where's the best place for them to find you? You mentioned a lot of stuff, a lot of different programs. We'll have some of them linked down below, but like where's the umbrella where they can find you? Everything is now at our new website, which is BeCourageousMinistry.org. The .org is very important. Um, And you can find out about everything there. The podcast is linked there. The courses, the program, book, blogs. There's over 300 blog posts on CourageousMom.com. And so they're all linked there as well. Um, Our app and our coffee. Literally everything is on that website. Oh, you're making it easy. You're making it easy for all of us. Thank you so much, Andy. And um, hopefully I'll get to talk to you in person soon. But (laughs) thanks for jumping on. Yes. See you next time. Okay. Bye.